Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 217, Writing a Page-Turning Thriller, an interview with Rochelle Decker, coming to you on Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. October 22nd, it's almost the end of the year. How did that happen? I know, as always, in every year, there are things that we're like, I'm so glad this is coming to an end. And yet, on the other hand, every year, there's always things where I'm like, no, not yet. I'm still busy playing in this year. And honestly, I don't know why it is that around October every year, I always feel like it's practically the end of the year. I mean, honestly, we still have quite a bit of year left, <laughs> two twelfths. So, but with that in mind, remember that National Novel Writing Month starts in just about 10 days. So if you have been thinking, um, hmm, maybe, should I do it? Like, keep on thinking about it. You've got a little bit of time. Feel free to make me a friend on your nano dashboard. I am pretty sure I know what I'm going to be doing. Um, Yep, pretty sure. (laughs) Uh, Still working it through with a couple of other writer friends. Um, And with the whole idea of end of the year and National Novel Writing Month come up and coming up, uh, remember, well, remember, I'm telling you, I'm telling you now so that you can remember, next week's guest is going to be Susan May Warren, who has that wonderful My Brilliant Writing Planner. Um, Did I say that right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, my brilliant planner, Um, whatever it is, you heard me talk about it. I love it. Uh, She was showing us uh, the version from last year, which was better than the version from the year before, but I got to see a sneak peek of the new version for 2021 and I love it. So we are going to be talking next Thursday about uh, how to get more words in before the end of the year, get your head back in the game if you feel like you've sort of lost your mojo a little bit. Um, And we'll be talking about planners and using them versus not using them, or if you'd like to look into using hers, or if you have something else that you're really happy with, but what are some tips for getting more done? all of that. It's going to be all about productivity and getting more words done. So keep that in mind for next week. In the meantime, I was so glad that I was able to finish Rochelle's new book, Nine, before our interview so that I could be like, I love it so much. <laughs> Honestly, there are days when I'm like, this is a little embarrassing. This isn't really an interview. This is more like, oh my gosh, I love this book. And it doesn't seem to matter whether it's an author I've met before, somebody I'm friends with, or somebody brand new. Um, if I love your book, I am going to gush. Uh, And not to say that I don't love other books, but there are some books that just like hit me right in all of my spots that make me so, so happy. And so this kind of, I don't want to say too much. Uh, I'm always worried that I'm going to say too much, but there are some kind of government conspiracy elements and it's a thriller and I'll just stop there. Uh, And I loved it. I mean, it was totally hitting my buttons. So I was like, yay. And some science. Yay. I was so excited. It was such a good book. So you have to check it out. And in the meantime, listen to this fantastic interview about Rochelle and I just having way too much fun talking about writing. And she's got tons of tips for you. She's also got tons of tips for you. If you have a teenager who who's been telling you that they're going to, you know, be a writer after high school, maybe not go to college. She'll tell you what her dad said. (laughs) So great fun, super interesting, very helpful. I know this will be a good interview for you. Here is Rochelle. Today's guest is Rochelle Decker. 
Rochelle is the Christie Award-winning author of The Choosing, The Calling, and The Returning in the Seer series, the oldest daughter of New York Times bestselling author Ted Decker and co-author with him of The Girl Behind the Red Rope, Rochelle was inspired early on to discover truth through the avenue of storytelling. She writes full-time in her home in Nashville, where she lives with her husband, Daniel, and their son, Jack. Welcome, Rochelle. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This has been really fun getting to know another, like one of the most fun parts of my job is getting to know like more fun authors that I haven't read yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet. No, that would, it is a nice way to connect because sometimes we can be a a little bit shy and and we hide ourselves away. So this is always nice to be forced to interact with others that are in our tribe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then um, also the whole, like, I don't really have to get completely dressed because I really am only going to be seen from the waist up. You know, that's always a nice way as a writer who's like, but I've been in these sweatpants all week because I have a deadline. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely in sweats right now. I mean, I put on a cute shirt because I was like, oh, you'll see me, but I am in sweats. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Not going to show you. We'll just both (laughs) believe each other. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So, um, lots of things that I want to talk about. Cause I really, really, really enjoyed your book. I haven't read your books before, but let's just give readers, uh, sorry, listeners, a little bit of an idea of, um, who you are. When did you get started writing? How did you yeah. start your journey? So I, um, as you said, I'm the oldest daughter of Ted Decker. So I grew up in a household of writing and storytelling and, uh, craft. So I have a pretty unique, experience um, with writing in general, but I started, I think probably like most writers, my introduction to writing was reading. So, you know, I fell in love with reading early, early. I mean, I was, you know, reading every Nancy Drew book I could get my hands on, every Hardy Boys book I could get my hands on, Boxcar Children. Oh, yeah. Um, And that kind of led into then like C.S. Lewis, um, you know, his uh, sci-fi series, as well as all of his uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, kind of all all seven of those, you know, and then later on into like Harry Potter and um, all of of those uh, young adult books that I just could not get enough of. And probably I was... I would say I was 12. I may have been 11, but I usually tell people 12 because I'm not quite sure when I decided like, oh, this is so easy. I can do this too. (laughs) (laughs) When you're like a middle schooler, you know, you have, you're still disillusioned. Like you're, you think you can still do anything, um, which is beautiful. And then we lose that as we get older, unfortunately. And then we are constantly trying to regain that kind of like innocence and belief self-belief, but you know, my dad did it. And then here I was reading all these incredible books and I was like, I know that I can do this. And so I started writing really seriously, seriously, um, when I was 12 and I wrote my first, I guess, uh, novella was like 85 pages. It was my first novel. That's a lot for 12. Yeah. About Christy Greenbud and her little brother and they were detectives and (laughs) I was stealing from all of my Harriet the Spy, like all, all of the Nancy Drews. Like I was creating my own version of that because you just steal like an artist, um, especially at that age. And uh, they were like moldy popcorn. They got trapped in a room with moldy popcorn. And there was like an there was like an emerald elephant that had been stolen by their next door neighbor, who was like the secret mad villain, who was all but she was also like in her eighties. It was a to- totally ridiculous um, work of fiction that I created and then put in a drawer forever. Right. But, um, 
Yeah, that was kind of my introduction to writing and I just never really stopped. I mean, I kind of wrote a lot of short stories. Um, you know, as I, as I got into high school, I did more, I tried to write like my first like long form no novel, um, uh, which was fantasy as well, you know, and I was like really trying to hit like 60,000 words. I mean, you know, cause wow. I had all of this, ex this exposure right. to what actual writing was because who my dad was. Um, and yeah, so I just think that I, I got bitten by the bug early because of my love of reading and then had this false idea early on that it would be easy and something anyone could do because my dad was doing it. I mean, you kind of have this like, oh, if your dad's a doctor, you're like, well, I could be a doctor. I mean, right. it's that idea, yeah. even though we all know being a doctor is very difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, same like being a novelist is actually quite a long, difficult journey. So um, it wasn't until I was in college that I, you know, my dad was like, you can't just graduate high school and do nothing. You need to go to college. It's really important. You need to have a backup plan. You never know what's going to happen. This is much, much harder than you think it's going to be. You know, only 1% of, you know, writers that actually finish a novel, get it in front of the eyes of a publisher. And then only 1% of those people actually get published. I mean, he had all these statistics. I'm pretty sure he made them up. <laughs> I mean, who knows that for real? <laughs> yeah. uh, he was just trying to like scare me off because he was like, this is really difficult. This is really right. hard. You're my daughter. Like take a path that's easy. Like, you know, don't you want to be like in communications? <laughs> or, right, right. You know, <laughs> like, you know, something that isn't so dependent on the opinion of others. Um, yeah. Or at least not. to have a plan for what you're going to do when you don't sell a novel in the first six months after high school. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, well, now where are you going to work? McDonald's forever? <laughs> I mean, I guess if that's your life goal, like kudos to you, each to each their own, but yeah. you know. Um, yeah. My husband and I don't have kids, but when we speak in front of um, like uh, kids groups at schools or whatever, because mm -hmm. uh, he's a computer animator and oh, cool. uh, yeah, it's, it is pretty cool. I have to say, yeah. he's like, stop telling everybody, like be quieter about it. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm totally proud. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But so we're always telling everybody like, um, but telling all the kids. Okay. So I know your parents and maybe your teachers are probably like, well, you know, maybe you could do that, but it's a really hard field. Um, and we're always like, we're going to be the ones that totally encourage you, but you should definitely go to <laughs> college and yes. have something that you can pay the rent and eat with mm -hmm. <laughs> until you become, you know, a famous right. animator or a famous author. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, and that is obviously advice. I would, I have three younger siblings and oh, yeah. so I would, all of them, I would, would definitely encourage to go to school, all their friends, you know, yeah. I mean, I just think it's, good to have a plan because yeah. these things do take some time and you're not going to be Stephen King overnight. I mean, you know, he's been writing for, you know, a handful yeah. of decades, decades, like, you know, you're going to have to like put in the time you're, you know, you know, 10,000 hours, um, to really be a professional at it and make enough of a living to, quit your day job. So, so to speak. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was really good advice, but I think that as kids, we have this like idea that our parents are like, you can be anything, you can do whatever you want. And that was just not at all the case with my dad. It never has been. He's a, he's a realist and a bit of a pe pessimistic. He has a bit of a pessimistic view on life. Yeah. And so he was like, well, it's really great that you think you want to do this, but <laughs> you probably can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
you should go get a, a degree so that you have a backup plan. Um, and so I did do that. So I went to Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville, Tennessee, which is how I ended up here. Uh-huh. And um, I and the kid that was so um, like stubborn and rebellious that if you told me that I couldn't do that, then I was going to like, is <laughs> a better strategy would have been like, yeah, honey, you can do whatever you want. Let me help you. Let me get, and I would have been like, ew, gross. Stop. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is too much now. Seriously. <laughs> but he didn't take that approach. Maybe secretly deep down, he knew that this yeah. was the way yeah. um, he was like, nah, I don't think you can. And I was like, watch me, watch yeah. me do it. Watch me do it better than you, which is never going to happen. But you know, it's still, <laughs> I'm still like, you know, have some of that. Dis- your parents are having secret conversations behind your back saying, she's telling the other kids, dad was right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. So anyway, so yeah, so I continued, I studied, um, writing is kind of my minor in school, um, and just took every single creative course that the college, that Trevecca Nazarene college, um, or university offered. And, um, just continued to write. I mean, I just was always in my dorm writing. I was, you know, and then I I graduated from college and I got a job and I worked in the marketing system um, with my interpersonal communications degree. And (laughs) of course, communication and working and had like, I don't know, 16 jobs for the first like three or four years being graduated, got married, did the whole thing all the while still writing like I would get these jobs and I'd say okay um because I can I present pretty well so I, I I get a job pretty easily if you know I interview well and um I have good communication skills and I'm a storyteller so I weave these <laughs> I'm going to be the most amazing employee because and I would get these jobs and then I would only agree to them if I could have Tuesdays and Thursdays off so I could write nice so I was like, I had this like epic plan and, you know, somehow a lot of hard work, a lot of luck, a lot of good timing. It worked somehow. Nice. <laughs> I, yeah, signed a contract with Tyndale um, and out of Chicago and wrote the Seer series and, um, you know, begrudgingly decided to use the last name Decker because I really wanted to use my um, married name at the yeah. time because I wanted to kind of uh, identify myself as separate, but the publisher was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) they were like, you could do that. And we could not publish you. I was like, okay, well, I guess it's a sacrifice. I will have to make. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And here we are, you know, six novels later. Yeah. Still somehow doing it and people are still paying me and letting me you know, say what I want and do the thing that I love. I mean, more than anything in the whole world. I mean, it's just, I love getting swept up in writing a character or a scene or, you know, the, the first like initial bite from the muse of like, Oh, what if I wrote a story about this? Like those moments, I just like, I live for that. So I feel very lucky. Oh yeah, no doubt. And, um, and I'm sure, I mean, your, your parents and family have got to be super proud. Yeah. So that that's an extra added bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it was cool to, because, you know, part of the, 
path was that my dad, even though I did use his last name, so I kind of had that brand association, which I'm definitely aware of um, and feel very fortunate to have knowing how hard he worked to kind of gain his reputation and um, how many hours he slaved into, you know, writing 40 plus novels. Um, But it was, but, but there was also this, okay, well, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to make calls for you. I'm not going to put in a good word. I'm not going to, he didn't actually even read um, my first published novel, The Choosing, until our, I was already in a signed contract. Like that was really important to him. Like he didn't want to read it, give me advice, me make changes, and that'd be the reason I get published. Right. Uh, or, needed, you know, not. Or I, not, exactly. Right, yeah. So I needed like my own talent and skill needed to be the reason that um, somebody wanted to publish me. Yeah. Um, so that was, so I remember getting that contract, signing it, and then handing you know, my dad, the choosing and being like, it's a, it's a work in progress, right? We're still working with editors and stuff, but this is this by idea and series that somebody like bought and yeah. was going like, to put in bookstores. And that was like a very like full oh. circle moment. Yeah. That was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, one of the things I was thinking about asking you and I was like, I don't know whether or not um, you're like, oh, I wish people would stop asking me, but I, w- I was wondering if being the daughter of a famous novelist actually makes you feel like life is a little bit more difficult or being taken seriously or knowing that the marketing department was like, we want your maiden name on the book because it will help us with marketing. Or if you maybe went through that at the beginning, but then now you just feel like, no, I really am my own author. I have my own identity. Like, how does that, how does that work or feel for you? Yeah. I mean, both for sure. I definitely, had a road of feeling like I was in a shadow. Um, And rightfully so. I mean, I think that's just the way you you experience this kind of situation. I mean, you know, Stephen King's son did it differently where he published under a name that wasn't even his, right? So we had no idea that it was Stephen King's son and people um, praise him for that. And some people will think that was the better path and that the path I took was easy. It was like, you know, uh, the way, the easy way to climb the ladder. And there is no right or wrong. Like everybody's journey is just their own. Um, you know, for me, that wasn't even an option. Like I said, when I went to the publisher, I fought for to be, you know, Rochelle Rediger, um, and not Rochelle Decker. And they were like, no. So, um, at the time it felt like, okay, well, if I, if I'm stubborn about this, I may give up my chance to do what I really love. And at the end of the day, the only, only person opinion who really, really matters is mine. And I know how much hard work I'm doing. And I know what I believe is my skill level. And those are the things that I focus on now. So early on, it was harder now. I mean, there are definitely people who still think like, oh, everything she writes sounds like Ted, everything, you know, she does is contrived of part of his brand and she'll never really stand on her own. And those things are always hard to hear, but I know that that's not the truth. Yeah. And, um, and there's just, you know, as when you put yourself out there, when you're vulnerable like this, no, but not, you can't please everybody. There's always going to be the critics um, and they're necessary. Like they keep me honest and, you know, yeah. 
that's important because I think you can get, especially with this profession where I'm doing most of it, like 90% of it in my office by myself um, or with a couple of editors, you know, and we like, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. Everything we do is amazing. Everything we touch turns to gold. And then (laughs) you put it out there and people are like, oh, it's more like bronze. And you're like, oh yeah, okay. It's good. Like you need, you need people to check you. um, Yeah because you don't get regular checks and balances when you're by yourself. I mean, you know, it's hard. It's hard to be, um, you know, critical of your own work in a way that's honest because you're like, well, what do you mean? It makes total sense to me. Well, yeah. So yeah. 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 I totally understand, you know, coming at it from a different perspective. Um, I had an agent at a good agency. I was writing chiclet when chiclet was hot, but when editors had decided that it was probably going to die until so they had just stopped buying it. Yeah. That, like that's when I uh, started sending things out. They were like, oh, we really like it, but this is probably going to die. So we're not buying it anymore. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so I ended up, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter about my story that much, but um, I had always been a little girl who wanted to have my own business and do my own thing when I got mm-hmm. older um, and was always writing stories. And so, oh my gosh, I can have my own business and write my own stories. And now there's a a thing and there's KDP and I can actually do this thing, which is fabulous, except you, I'm not sure. I have no idea about the very interior workings of other people's minds, you know, but in my mind, I know for sure that there are moments when I need a check and balance and I, and I don't have someone to give it to me in the way that I think would make me a better writer. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, like I have an editor and she's great, but I can't tell you how many times I think you like my work too much. Like there must yeah. be something I can do better. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a publisher um, is a healthy dose of that because, you know, and then, you know, your close, honest friends who will say, you know, this is great, but it could be better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I definitely have some of those, uh, some of those reviewers that I've met along the way who I am like, wow, that was harsh, but honest and fair. So I like to keep those people close. One of my, um, well, another author, Katie Cross, she's a, a self-published author and she's incredible. And she does YA mostly, but um, she just is like a machine. She I remember one time at a writer's conference, she said to me, my favorite reviews are the three star reviews because they're always the most honest. Yeah. They give you like, I really enjoyed this, but there could have been more character development. I really enjoyed this, but it was a little, um, you know, there, there wasn't as as many twists and turns as promised, or it did end up being a little cliche or, um, I kind of saw the ending coming. I mean, those are the ones where they're like, okay, they gave it an honest read and outside of how they feel about you. Um, especially if they're people who know you, they were like, I want you to do well. I want you to, to be better. Um, and so those are always the reviews I read first on Amazon. I always go to the three-star ones and some of them sting and some of them like, oh man, why didn't I think about that? And then (laughs) I read the four and the five because they make me feel better. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, see these people got it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But those people don't help me grow necessarily. So yeah, I mean, I, I love, and if you just loved the book and gave it four or five stars, like I don't need you to find something wrong with it. Like (laughs) There's a place for you too, a very warm place in my heart for you, (laughs) but I do appreciate an honest three-star review. And so I, I, I kind of adopt 
um, her thinking now because I think that is really helpful. But um, yeah, yeah, having having Ted as a father was or and continues to be just like something I'm always going to navigate. Yeah, because you know I am now Rochelle Decker, and it's not going to change. And and I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of what he's done, and I'm I will continue to try and live up. Uh, to the bar. I mean, that, that was one of the hardest things starting was, okay, I did get published. I young, you know, I wasn't even in my thirties. Um, I got published under a name that comes with quite a lot of perceived notions about what kind of um, fiction you're going to get. Yeah. And so I, I only really get one shot. Everybody kept telling me that like this first novel needs to be really good because if you screw it up the first time nobody's going to give you a second shot they're just not Um, and that kind of pressure I mean I was like 27 or 28 it's a lot I mean I didn't have any publishing professional writing experience yet Um, so the confidence level I mean it was that was an intense exhilarating because it worked and I I honestly think the choosing is a really good book um but it was, it was heavy. Um, and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm glad I continue to grow and my writing gets better. And I'm, I don't care as much as I did then, you know, it, I've had seven years of some business, you know, uh, experience in, in this kind of arena. And that really helps. Yeah diffuse some of that stress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. The marketing department is doing what they need to do to use your last name, but at least, you know, that all the editors that you interact with and who are looking at buying your next book, like they see you as your own person. So (laughs) yay. Yes. Yes, That is good. (laughs) Nice. Well, listen, let's talk a little bit about the writing. Okay. So I told you beforehand that, um, that I was going to, I was really kind of going to get on your case a little bit, but yeah. I was going to do it on camera with everyone watching. So Ooh, suspense. I'm so annoyed with you. I've had a crazy busy two weeks and what have I been doing? Spending way too much time reading the nine <laughs> or not the nine, just nine uh, because I was thinking, uh, so, you know, I do, oh, I don't know. Um, not quite 52 episodes a year. And I probably three quarters of them are interviewed. I probably read at least 30 books a year that are just for the podcast. Yeah. And then there's the books that I'm trying to read on my own because these are the books that I love. Like I right. have a whole bunch of, um, I'm behind by like five books in the Dresden Files series. And who, isn't, friend- who isn't behind on like five books in every series right now? <laughs> right, right. Especially your favorite stuff. You're like, no, I want the time when I can sit down. Nobody's around. I've got my yep. cup of hot cocoa. Um, I'm going to just stop looking for that day because I think that day is behind me in my twenties yeah. <laughs> before yes. life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so wow. I, um, and, and okay, here's another, here's another thing that I have to tell you. These are like, obviously pretend bad things. So yeah. <laughs> it's obviously really good. But, um, the first time that I read a Joe Hill book, I, like you said, I didn't realize he was Stephen the King's son. Mm-hmm. I, loved, loved, love, um, 
the heart-shaped box. Oh, yes. It scared the crap out of me. Right. Like yeah. I had nightmares at least two or three times during the reading of it. And like, I still cannot forget, like in my mind, the, the horror movie that I painted in my own mind, like right. it's more clear to me than whatever's the last horror movie that I saw on Netflix or long yeah. ago days when we used to get to go to the movie theater. <laughs> yes, true. And I, and I was thinking someday if I can get him on the show, like, how weird or rude would it be to say, seriously, Joe, you scared me worse than your dad. <laughs> yeah. He'd probably think that was a quite an honor. Right. I can't imagine he wouldn't. <laughs> so I've read some of your dad's books, but honestly, it's, it's been a while. You know, there are so many books in the world and I just want to read all of them. Um, but I have to say, I was page turning. I was like, okay, one more chapter. I'll just, okay. A little bit long. You know what? I'll be fine with seven hours sleep. It'll be fine. I'll just read a little <laughs> bit more. And I'm Good. pretty sure I did have at least one or two like pseudo nightmares in the last couple of days as I was rushing to finish. Yeah. It was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. I love it. My favorite, favorite thing that a reader can say to me is I I tried to go to bed on time and I'm so grumpy the next day because I only got four or five hours of sleep because I was up reading your book. And I'm like, that's awesome. They're like, no, I'm miserable for today. I'm miserable. Thank you. No, thank you. But that's like my favorite because that, those were the books that I will never forget. I mean, those are the, the ones that keep you up that yeah. you don't fall asleep reading because falling asleep reading is a pretty common phenomenon. So if you're so sucked in to a novel that you in, in the wee hours of the morning are not falling asleep, like that is a killer novel. That's like yeah. what that, that's, those are the kind that I am always looking for. So if mine can be that for you, like I've, I've done mm. something right. So yeah, very happy. Yeah. Now, yeah, I mean, yours ended up being one of the ones that about, oh, maybe a quarter of the way through it, I had to turn back to, okay, first of all, I'm just saying I, I am a romance writer, and so I am not dissing on the genre, but I have to read, I have to read romance novels that are just like, okay, they're the same as all the other romance novels right. in order to read myself to sleep. Like I need to not care. And yeah. I had to stop reading your book when I needed to go to sleep because otherwise I was like so awake. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's <laughs> okay. So cool. tell us a little bit about it. Um, now I have to say, since that's the first book that I've read now, I want to, you know, go back to the Sears, Sears, you know how hard that is to say. I know. I'll let you I say know. it. See your series. Thank you. <laughs> right. um, but tell us about the nine. And um, also, uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand. It's slightly related to the book that you and your dad wrote together. So right. yeah, let's start wherever you want. All right. So um, yeah, so nine is my first attempt at like pure suspense. So I really wanted to do something fun. I just had a baby and I was like, I need something that's not so heavy for me, which is funny because it gave like, you some nightmares. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know, if you read the girl behind the red rope or what, um, wind through deep waters, uh, my, the two before that, they're a little bit more, um, paranormal and a little bit eerier, I think so personally, but so I wanted to do something that was just like really fun, like a chase, you know, super, super cool action packed, you know, try my hand at, um, having like deep and involved action scenes, which is not necessarily my strength. So I wanted to test myself and, um, you know, see it where I could grow. And I'm always looking to do that. 
And then I also wanted to, you know, write two really strong feminine characters and play on uh, their relationship and their connection and their friendship. Um, and having, you know, kind of like a Killing Eve vibe. I don't know if you've seen that show at all, but it's fantastic. But without them being enemies, because we see a lot oh, of that, yeah. like yeah. girl versus girl. And I'm all about like women love and empowerment. So I wanted them to um, kind of be in these dire circumstances and, and have only each other to rely on. So there's a little romance, but very, very little because I, I didn't want it to focus on that. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want there to be a man that needed to save them. You know, some of those yeah. things that I was yeah. trying to kind of just play with because I love all of those um, And I ideas. thought the romantic element was way easier to believe because there's only a little of it. Because if yeah. she had just, there, there are, you know, I read lots of romantic suspense. I like it, but I have to tell myself to, to just choose to believe it. Because otherwise I'm like, seriously, people are shooting at you and you stop to have sex now? Yeah, like no. who would do that, you know? No one, no one would really do that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no definitely not going to find that in my books. <laughs> for sure, for sure not. Um, but so, yeah. So, and I um, had kind of decided, um, so the girl behind the red rope that I wrote with my dad uh, was originally a standalone novel I was going to write by myself. Um, and through a long process of kind of changing publishers and, and reworking the idea some, we decided to write it together. And we created all of these really vibrant characters that, um, you know, just quickly, the girl behind the red rope takes place inside a cult um, in the hills of Tennessee. And these cult members believe that the apocalypse has happened and they're the only remaining um, kind of like chosen people um, of God who live in these like very strict boundaries that's, you know, surrounded by a red rope and very like a village, a nod to one of my favorite movies of all time. And, um, you know, and on the outskirts of this rope, there are monsters, like real ones that will <laughs> devour you. Then wow. they like for sure believe this. So, um, and, and then what happens when somebody from the outside comes in and rocks their world about what is actually on the other side of this red rope and what does it mean? And the red ropes that we all really place um, that, you know, these ideas, these wisdoms of the world that keep us sleep, keep us safe and put us to sleep at night, but are yeah. actually holding us back from maybe achieving what is really out there. It's kind of um, the idea. So we created all these like really bold, bold, vivid characters. And then the publisher was like, it would be great if they showed up in, in more books. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do another series. I did that with the Seer series, but what if I took one of these characters who was a little girl in this cult scenario, very um, indoctrinated, very, you know, disciplinary cult. And I, you know, went into her future 15 years and what would she be like now? What kind of person would she be? What kind of adventure could I take her on? Um, and so that's what I did. So, uh, you know, it's got a nod to the girl behind the red rope, but is not a follow-up by any means. Right. And you could read nine first or girl behind the red rope first and it wouldn't really matter. Um, but yeah, so I had that, I had that in my pocket. Like I want to use this one character. Of course, she's going to be totally different now. And you don't even know what character it is until, you know, a third of the way through the book. And I also want to 
have like this fun chase scenario and what better way than evil government agents I know, right? experiments and memory loss and you know a hunky uh fbi pursuer and yeah i just took all the things i just stole like an artist from all these different places like <laughs> the born identity and the show hannah and i was like i'll just use all these little things that i'm like inspired by because i you know the age of saying there's nothing new under the sun is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's always stealing like an artist. They're being inspired by something and then they're letting it cultivate into something that's their own um, and saying it in a, in a voice that's theirs and maybe with a new, a new twist or spin, but not really. Yeah. Fresh. But <clears throat> I mean, um, fresh. okay. You're right about Hannah, but I was thinking, yeah, totally born identity. I can see how, um, just like having very recently, I think I finished the book just this morning, honestly. Oh, um, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I woke up early. I'll just spend two or three more hours doing this because it's work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, that was one of the things that I noticed. I was like, this is really good with the, you know, grab this, reach for that, roll and tuck and then pull this and then shoot. And then, you know, I was like, mm -hmm. I mean, it really in my head, I was thinking this, this feels like a born identity kind of movie, but with, uh, cause she's still a teenager. She's not even 20. Right. So it's a teenage yeah, no, girl. No, she's 17. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really wanted to um, kind of plan on the, all those elements. So the rough elevator pitch for people who are like, well, you've talked about it, but what is it about? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not. It's my, I was given the task and I got rabbit hole. I just down, <laughs> down the rabbit hole. Um, it's about a, a waitress, um, named, named Zoe or Zoe. It doesn't matter. I have to say that because so many people keep asking me. Oh yeah. I called her Zoe, but we can call her Zoe. It's fine too. Either works. Um, about Zoe, who is a waitress, who's basically, um, trying to rewrite uh, or trying to hide from her past, um, constantly trying to ignore the things that have happened to her. And she interacts very quickly in the novel with a girl, a 17-year-old girl named Lucy, who doesn't remember anything except for her name. And they soon find out that Lucy is being pursued by um, these very um, serious and dangerous FBI agents, um, government agents, because of who she is and what she can do, even though she can't remember. Um, and Zoe seeing, Zoe seeing a, a young girl in need of protection in a way that she feels like she never got, she kind of takes Lucy under her wing and the two of them go on the run um, and try to avoid being killed and yeah. hunted like animals. Um, <laughs> and they meet all these really interesting characters along the way. And uh, the, the further we get into the story, you more, the more you discover about who Lucy it really is. Um, and the, the kind of cruel past that she has. And the story really seeks to answer the question, do I have to be who the world says or can I change my story and be someone else? Like yeah. who really has the control at the end of the day? Um, am I a puppet or you know, am I a playwright? And yeah. so that's where the story takes you. Yeah, it's kind of the nature versus nurture question taken um, all the way in deep into your psyche yeah. and asking yourself whether or not you can really change, right? Yeah. I mean, I always, I always set out to write like fun, easy fiction. And oh, then, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and then I always end up with these like massive questions and then they, like, I can't escape putting them in my books. Yeah. So you know, that's why I say like, I write to discover because sure enough, if I'm, if, if my character, especially like my lead 
protagonist or antagonist is grappling with some heavy topic, you can put, you can trace it back to my life. And I was absolutely grappling with the same thing. Like that, just my character's you know, what's happening to me just bleeds into all my characters. I am all my characters all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was a mom for the first time and I was dealing with the pressure of the the way the world said I should be a mom. And, you know, I was like trying to like find my own femininity in that. And why does it have to be like, you know, why do I have to like give everything up for my baby? Is it okay if I'm still going to work? Is it okay if he goes to daycare? Like all of these questions I had never had to face before. Yeah. You know, and then here we have these two women who are, you know, dealing with the exact same identity crisis that I was. Um, and so that makes it really fun. Yeah. And, you know, I think pretty authentic. Right, right. Exactly. Now, um, do you, looking back over your body of work, both published and, um, you know, pre-published all the, yeah. <laughs> the millions of words that you've written before then. Right. I learned, um, and about, I think my third published book that there was a kind of character that I kept writing because that character was the me and the questions that I had in many mm-hmm. ways. Uh, do you find that, um, identity or, or any particular themes or kinds of things show up more than, uh, more than you thought that they would? Yeah. I mean, all of my books come down to identity, every single one, actually, at this point, if someone was like, what kind of novel can I expect from Rochelle Decker? It'll be, it'll be a novel based on the theme of identity and we'll probably have a strong questioning feminine lead. And, um, yeah, like every single one ends up being that in a different form. I, I guess I'm just always looking for my place and how I fit in, who am I really? And, um, you know, can I change my mind about who I am? And I'm always wrestling with those questions myself. And so, yeah, Yeah. all of my characters um, and people who have read all my stuff will know that. I mean, you know, other, you know, like those reviewers, my my three-star reviewers who have read all of my stuff are like, yeah, this is another book about identity. Like (laughs) this is what we get from her in a totally different way. And I think it works because I think everything kind of comes back to who am I and what is my purpose and what am I doing and world. Um, so there's so many avenues that you can explore asking that question. So I kind of think like I always will. Probably. Yeah. 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 Well, so if it suddenly changes, everyone's going to be like, wait a second, what happened? Did you figure out who you are? Do you have all the answers? Like, can you please tell us? <laughs> yeah. All right. Not. Now we need you to write a nonfiction book about it, but you exactly. know, even if with you, okay. I'm married to an animator. So both of us act like we're 10, a huge amount of the time. Uh Um, We just got Disney plus in Sweden just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And my husband's birthday was this past weekend. So we got to, um, okay. So I I can't remember exactly which date this is going to come out. I think the end of October, but um, so we spent the weekend watching Disney plus that was his birthday present was an annual subscription. So what are we doing? We're watching all the Pixar movies that we already own, but we're like, Oh, Uh let's watch it on Disney plus. While you're talking, I'm thinking about all the Pixar movies that are about identity, all the yeah, Toy Story ones, all Incredibles. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, the most heartbreaking scene is when, you know, his mom, uh, uh, Elastigirl, tells Dash, uh, well, everybody's special. And he's like, that's just another way of saying no one is. I'm like, oh, no. Brilliant. Who thought of just that one line? It's perfect. <laughs> yep. Yep. One of my favorites about identity is um, the Inside Out movie yeah. from Pixar with all the emotions 
you know, and like, and how, and, and dealing with like how you can both be happy and sad and how everything is necessary and how all of that makes up a part of who you are. And I mean, they all come back to Mulan. I mean, early Disney too, right? Not just Pixar, like, um, Lion King. I mean, (laughs) so true. So, yeah, okay, so writer's movie. tip. That's great. Watch all of the Disney and Pixar films. <laughs> yeah, seriously, if you watch a Disney Pixar film and you are not inspired, then you should find another job. No, I'm just kidding. But it's um, possibly true though. <laughs> there are times, there are times when I will just, I mean, I think the other day, Daniel, my husband and I um, are introducing our son. We have our son, Jack, he's almost two. He'll be two early December. And um, so we're starting to introduce him to all these other movies, to all these Disney movies. He's obsessed with cars, Oh yeah, like all kinds of cars. So he's obsessed with movie cars. And so we've watched it like too many times, but the first time rewatching it in, I don't know, a decade, Daniel and I are like sitting on the couch, like crying at the end, you know, when he like, when he stops, when he could have won the Piston Cup and he goes back and he helps the, the older kind of retiring driver, because it's about like who you are. It's about like being a good person over winning. It's about like keeping your friends close and like kindness is really important. And in our current state of the world and the, you know, all the nasty politics, it was like, I mean, we're just like both like tearing up on the couch and my son is like, what is happening? What is wrong with you? And we're like, this is such a beautiful movie. And and as much as I would like to, um, as a human being, I would like to live in a more peaceful world than I live in. As a writer, there are days when I am like, thank you, news outlets. You are giving me so many great ideas. I know, I know. (laughs) So true. Um, Okay, so um, so nine, I'm trying to back us back to- Yeah, sorry. No, no. uh, See, this is the thing. I get talking with writers and- (laughs) We go on all these little side trips, but so from a, uh, we have to remember, uh, people might want some writing tips perspective. Um, tell us, are you writing mostly, uh, suspense and like a supernatural or what is the Sears series? Have you been changing genres? Yeah, I've been all over the place. So the Sears series is dystopian. Oh, um, yeah. So it is about, uh, a kind of rebuilding of a world after a deadly vaccine, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> it's funny I wrote that how many, many books. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so take that with a grain of salt. But um, yeah, so that is a dystopian series. Then um, it's a straight trilogy. Like you definitely need to read them in order. Um, they span about 20 years from beginning to end. Um, and it was, that was, it's a very fun uh, kind of, it's more young adults. Um, so our heroine in that one, you know, she's only 17 when we start Carrington. So um, that's a r- really fun. And then um, Wind Through Deep Waters is like a paranormal um, kind of drama, I would say. It's hard to explain, but it's a, about a woman who, whose daughter drowns um, in, the, in the very first chapter of the book. And because of this, her entire life falls apart and she moves back to her small uh, creepy mountain town in Montana, and she starts seeing children everywhere. Oh wow! And so people think that she might be losing her mind, um, and it takes a pretty interesting, diabolical turn. Nice. Um, so that's a fun one. That's why I say it's a little bit creepier. And then yeah, Girl Behind the Red Rope. I, I kind of explained, and that one is definitely paranormal, but also you know cultish and um, yeah, lots of drama. 
and then this one is in the nine is like straight up suspense um, and maybe a little bit science, like sci-fi, not like space sci-fi, but lots of science with like memory loss and right. um, all, and, and some of that stuff. So, um, you know, without giving too much um, yeah. anything away, but yeah, there are some really, into, uh, um, scientific experimentation. Can we say that? Yeah. Scientific experience. There you go. You, can you say know, that. I, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I thought, you know, if Rochelle says it would be great, Kitty, if you would not say that, I'd be like, dang it, we're going to have to like edit this out. <laughs> no, no, that's totally fine. That's, I mean, I think, you know, a girl with no memory and then you soon find out that she has some unique abilities. You're thinking, what is wrong? What is going on here? There's yeah, something, yeah. there's something interesting about her. So, um, yeah, so I'm kind of all over the place. Um, you know, the one thing, I probably will never do personally is romance, not because I don't think it's great, but because I don't know how to at all, yeah. which is why when I do it, it feels, I try and do little bits of it. I have the most romance in um, the choosing series, uh, the, the, or the seer series, the mm -hmm. choosing, the calling and the returning, but that's just not really, I think you have to, especially to do romance good, um, to do it well, it, it, it takes a unique skill that I do not possess. Like, I just, I don't even know how I would start, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. but um, I'm probably going to do suspense for a while. My next novel, um, which I'll start writing in the new year, um, it is going to be uh, a similar suspense and pacing as nine. I really, really enjoyed writing that. It was so fun. And yeah. um you know, the, the feedback has been great. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm going to stick with suspense for a while. Just, it seems to suit me really well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the things that you had to figure out. I mean, like I said, I really thought <laughs> because, because I was going to interview you and because I'm also a writer, there were moments when I was slowing I didn't stop to think about it, but, but I was slowing in my reading and just kind of like checking out how you were pacing things, the length of sentences, the, um, the movements of the character, how long, what all happens, you know, in the space of a page. And I was just thinking, this is really good. And I wondered, like, had you been interviewing, um, and then I was like, I don't even know who people who would be able to do all these kinds of um, moves with guns and knives and stuff like, so tell us yeah. a little bit about what kind of research that you did to make it sound so authentic. Yeah. So I, I Googled a lot of stuff. Really? Just, Some of it I was just, just Google. Oh, I, I, 90% of it was Google. I just Google wow. stuff and then I just read article after article about, um, uh, so like memory science, there's a lot of kind of memory science in this book. Um, so reading about like the brain and where we store memories and how that can be lost and retrieved and all of that, um, amnesia, how it's caused, uh, even though a lot of it didn't make it into the book, like I wanted to be pretty, um, I, I wanted to feel kind of like I knew what I was talking about, yeah. <laughs> you know, very, on a very surface level. Cause it's, there's so much about the human brain that we don't understand. And it gets very complicated. Um, so that, and then, yeah, my, uh, my main research is just watching shows. So <laughs> I watch, you know, like all the Jack Reacher, like I just like watch, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously I watched Hannah, which we talked about already. Um, you know, the Born Identity series, the Matrix, like things that have a lot of this interesting dynamic movement. Yeah. Um, and, and choreography, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in that it case, really because it's film. Yeah. Right. That is, yeah. Interesting choreography and like, okay. And then 
um, when I'm actually doing the writing, and this is a tip that I got from my dad, I will stand up and act it out in my office. So, you know, to an extent where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to jab with my, you know, left or right elbow, then what happens to my other hand, you know, and, and of course, because her skills are not necessarily fully like normalized because of some of the, um, things you you learn about, (laughs) you learn about from her. Like I could expand upon that a little, a little, right. Like I don't know very many people who can jump across a 15 feet divide, but who says that like she can't. So, you know, watching right. some of the X-Men stuff like that, like just like, okay, what does that movement look like? How can I make it really fun and interesting? And then also try and make it sound like it's actually happening and so that you get a visual picture of it. Yeah. Um, and then I had really just like an incredible editor. I mean, That's she, awesome. yeah, my editor, Erin Healy, shout out. She's incredible. Oh, she's, also, she's also, yeah, she's also a writer. Yeah. 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 She's in amazing. And so she was great and she's worked with my dad for years and he does action really well. So she's kind of versed in, um, that arena and she would just be like, okay, this is a little awkward. Like this is clunky. Like I kind of think I know what you mean, but maybe if we use this word instead, or if we just added an extra line of movement here. So it feels like, you know, she's actually like kicking roundhouse, kicking someone while reaching to the floor with one hand to grab a gun and then spinning right. around. I mean, those yeah. kinds of things. Um, like how do we make it feel as visual as possible? Cause that's yeah. what you need, um, in a, in a story like this is for people to be able to see what's happening while they're yeah. reading. Um, and I, I don't have any idea, uh, because I don't have a brain that isn't filled with thousands of movies. So I don't know about people <laughs> who don't watch tons of movies, but when you were saying about, you know, is there, is it possible for somebody to actually jump across a 15 feet, uh, foot divide? Mm-hmm. I was thinking like I had just recently rewatched for the third time Casino Royale, the James yeah. Bond movie. Yeah. And they had a real parkour guy doing yeah. the stunt work. And I was just watching the movie going, I can't believe this is like, full shots of this guy really doing it without right. ropes and wires. And yeah. Like, how do you even train for something? Like, how, how are you, how are you a little kid? And you're like, you know what I want to do? I want to learn to jump like buildings. Like, how does that become a thing? It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then how do you train for it? Because you right. can't just be like, well, I'll just try and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. so. I guess you probably have to have really good health insurance before you get started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. That's that kind of stuff is incredible. So yeah. So I just kind of, uh, yeah, lots of watching, lots of acting out myself, lots of Googling and then, um, yeah, really, really good editor who helped me just make it sing. Yeah. Editors are like the, they, they're the unsung heroes of, all of publishing. Like they are, they're so good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And please editors out there, feel free to come on the show. Tell us anything that you want, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. (laughs) We all want to hear from you. (laughs) We do. So Rochelle, what would you say, um, over, you know, 20 plus years plus, you know, six published books, what would you say are some of the the best things that you've learned as far as tips or the things that you're like, wow, some of the best things I've learned from an editor um, mm-hmm. or writing groups that you've been in, like, what are some of the things to, that we can share with listeners right now? Yeah. Wow. There's so many. Things. Right. Um, I would say probably, okay. Let me think of the things that have been most impactful for me. Um, probably like writing every day. So someone told me early on that, 
before you become published, like if that's something you really, really want to pursue, the best way to become published is to be the best at your craft. So you should be writing every day. So you pick and, you know, even if it's 10 minutes a day, start with 10 minutes. I'm going to commit to writing 10 minutes every day, whether it's journaling, poetry, short story, whether you're looking at working on a novel, I'm going to commit 10 minutes every day to writing. And she, uh, I can't remember, I'm going to forget who said this now, unfortunately, but she said, you would be surprised how often 10 minutes turns into an hour. And if you can commit, if you can write for an hour every day, you would be surprised how quickly a novel gets written yeah. um, and how, how quickly you, your like learning curve, um, how your learning grows as far as craft is concerned, because now you're committing consistent time to it. She's like, there will be days when you sit down and the 10 minutes feels like an hour and you'll be <laughs> done. And then there will be day, but more often than not, especially if it's something you really love, within 10 minutes, you're swept up and you're like, well, I need to write just 10 more, just 30 more, just an hour more. And then suddenly you're like, oh, two hours have gone by and I've got three or four pages written or two pages written. And that's something I wouldn't have done otherwise, unless I had sat down. Intention is really, really crucial when it comes to writing. Waiting for me personally, waiting for the muse to inspire me to write never works. Like I have to be intentional to write like it is my job every day. So I am in my office at 8.30 AM with my coffee at maybe my third or fourth cup. And I am writing um, until four. And that is Monday through Friday. That is what I do. Um, Because yes, writing is an art form. Yes, it is creative and adventurous and you know, we get pulled, we're very romantic and whimsical and we get pulled around, but it also is still, um, it, it takes commitment. It takes practice. It takes intention to do them well. If you are writing just for fun, it doesn't, and then, you know, write when you want to write, write when you feel led. But if you're trying to write to be published, you're trying to write for a career to, you know, to sustain a financial uh, income, then you have to treat it like, it's a job because it is work. It's hard work. And there are going to be many days when you do not want to go to work, just like mm-hmm. everybody else. We have the dream, dreary Mondays, but like you have to show up. You yeah. know what the, the hardest thing about writing as a profession is that nobody forces you to show up, but you. So you yeah. have to be incredibly accountable to yourself and you have to be incredibly disciplined on your own. Um, but you have to show up for you. Like nobody else is going to show up for you. Nobody else is going to carry the slack. Like there is nobody else. It's just you. So, um, but if you, I, I promise, I, I believe this wholeheartedly and I've seen it happen every time. If you show up every day and you continue to write like the muse, the inspiration meets you there. Like you don't wait for inspiration. You show up and then inspiration comes to you, not the other way around. Yeah. So I think that that's really important when it comes to like sustaining long-term writing. Yeah. Uh, and then just like on a more practical level, like don't write anything you don't want to read ever. Like don't, don't force it. Like write what you know, write what you love, write what you want to read. Like they say the same thing about like starting a small business. Like if you're going to invent something, invent something that's missing in your life, like invent what you don't already have. Because if you're trying to just invent what everybody else is inventing, well, everybody else is doing it. So invent 
um, the thing that you're missing, write what's missing, write the, you know, rom-com sci-fi robot series that nobody's <laughs> writing. Like, this is what I want to read. I'm looking for it. I can't find it. So then you write it. If yeah. You, right. Th- write yeah. that, write what you love, write what I'm you totally love. I'm totally with you. Yeah. yeah. And so, from a business perspective, there are times when, um, when I think that writing that you love, writing what you love that you think is probably going to sell because the, the market shows that there's a space for it. Like mm-hmm. there's a time for that. And sometimes there's a time for, because I wrote what you just said. It's like the <laughs> Christian rom-com urban fantasy superhero series. Yeah. What? That book is never going to be sold in a bookstore because <laughs> things, but I love it. I just, I love yeah. the characters in the world and I love the the ideas that, you know, that led me to, to write the series. So I definitely think that, um, that there is a room, there is room for looking at it as a business and as a joy, but understanding that sometimes like for right for this six months, I'm going to spend time on the book that is the one that I know for sure, you know, is going to sell in the market. And mm-hmm. this six months, I'm going to do this thing that I, I made time for. And if it sells great, and if it doesn't sell, I just really wanted to write it. And- right, right. Yeah. And I think that the idea that writing, you can't waste your time, right? You can't do anything right. that is a waste. Like every, every word gets you to the completion of a sentence, gets you to the completion of a paragraph, page, you know, uh, chapter novel and every hour and minute you invest in yourself and in your craft helps you in the future. So yeah. you can't waste your time. Like your, you know, crooked houses, so to speak, that you've put in a drawer that you won't let ev- anyone see are incredibly necessary to get you to the book that you have published yeah. or that, um, is like, I wrote, you know, I mean, tw- three, you know, dozen short stories and five full length novels before the choosing. So, um, and all of those are terrible from my perspective, (laughs) but they were all so incredibly necessary to get me to the skill level that I needed to write the choosing and get it published. So there is no wasted time or energy, um, in writing. So, you know, you have to give yourself some grace there. Yeah. Um, know that it is kind of, it really is like a long, you got to put in those 10,000 hours, man. You yeah. just have to, you just have to do the work. That's when it comes right down to it. Yeah. You know, and you can't, to, yeah, I was just gonna yeah. say, you can't do the work and end up to be a worse writer. You no, can, absolutely you can write not. something that will never be published, but you learned things while you were writing it. Like you said, yeah. that will go towards the next book. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think all that's really important and then find a good aid. I mean, a good, uh, um, editor, like we talked about, like yeah. just someone you trust, somebody who understands your voice, doesn't try and change your voice into theirs. Um, somebody who understands punctuation, please like very, very well, because bad punctuation as a writer, you should know it obviously, but it's more important that your editor knows it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. they're going to catch your mistakes and the wrong punctuation can like ruin an entire sentence as we all know. Yes. Um, someone who loves and uses commas and understands. I mean, I just, I know that's silly, but like, yeah. I'm totally and, an Oxford comma girl. Yeah. It's yeah. I know stand that I take <laughs> in, in, in fiction. There's like some, there's like some debate about commas, like how often you should use them when you should use them or being used less and less, especially like yeah. in a diet. And sometimes it just, I mean, I, 
I just always add a comma in and then Aaron just takes it out. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it feels like there should be one here. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. 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 I was uh, reading the Kindle sample of another author that I want to ask to be on the show. And, um, and now I'm going to be very clear to not let anybody know who it was, but there was a sentence I had to read again because I realized that she's not using as many commas as I'm used to. Mm -hmm. And, um, without the commas, I thought it said something almost opposite of what it actually yeah. Said, but I had to read it again to see that that's not what she meant to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 So true. So oh. yeah, good, get a good editor. Editors are, they will be your best friend and your worst enemy, but like mm-hmm. in a way that's really good for you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Finding someone who pushes you, but pushes you in the place that like, this is where I want to be. This is my voice, but yeah. somebody who's going to help you to be, become better. <laughs> yeah. Who believes in you? Who's like, I know there's more in you. Like, yeah. this is a great rough draft. Like it's a good first start, but let's start over. Yeah. And that's not because I it's, don't think you're good. It's because I think you're so good. Like, I think the potentiality that you possess is not being fully like, um, you know, displayed now. So yeah. let's try again because I really believe you can do better. Yeah. Um, and that is hard to hear, but so necessary. So yeah, find a good yeah. editor. That's Love it. Key. Yeah. Oh, I could talk to you forever. I still have like a whole <laughs> bunch of things that I was like, Oh, I was going to ask you about this and this, but I'm looking at the time and going, Oh, I have to force myself to stop talking about writing. <laughs> I'll have to come back. Great idea. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, let's at least tell people where can they find nine and your other books and you online. And I don't know if you're doing anything virtually right now, but where can we find you? Um, Well, I'm, you can always go to rochelledecker.com. Everything's listed there. Also bakerpublishing.com. They have my books there, you know, they're always running really good discounts and stuff. Um, And then you can find me like just to connect with me. Basically Facebook is where I live. So Rochelle Decker author, um, on Facebook, come find me there, but yeah, shoot me a message or a email on my website. And I try and read and respond, um, when I can, but yeah, that's where, that's where I live. Awesome. Very good. Yeah. I would guess that, um, with, um, books and promotion and a two-year-old, you probably have a little bit more of a limited time that you can spend with readers. (laughs) Yes, it is true, but it's, but I still try and, you know, I, I'm not a huge social media person. I don't love to, you know, um, spend a lot of time on, like I, I have an Instagram, but you know, I hardly ever use it. So yeah. like, I, and I never use Twitter. I mean, you know, if you see me tweet, it's because I pushed, posted it on Facebook and it just automatically <laughs> got tweeted as well. Like that's right. my, my, my Twitter capacity. Um, but, uh, I do like to hear, I love to hear from readers. I love to answer questions and have conversations when I have time. It might take me a little bit to get to you, but if, you know, I've, I've seen you, I've not forgotten you, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's the best way to connect with readers in this day and age. So, yeah, so true though. I have to say one time before internet email, blah, blah, blah. I actually got a handwritten note in the mail and I was like, I'm going to hang on to this forever. <laughs> yeah. I've got a couple of those and they, they are in a box in a very special, I've only gotten like four or five 
people who were like, I just had to write you because I'm old fashioned. Or like, I got one from a little girl from a 12 year old oh. who had written a, who had, uh, was wanted to be a writer and was doing a book report on the choosing, which is the cutest thing ever. I was like, I can retire. Like, that's yeah. great. Yeah, exactly. And so that one's got like, even she even like drew a little picture. It was so precious. Oh. I was like, oh my gosh, just crying. Like I, apparently yeah. I just cry really easily. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> you know, handwritten letters from children. Like it's just so sweet. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Rochelle, this has been so much fun talking with you. And I just have to tell the listeners again, seriously, this book is so interesting and fun. And if you're at all interested in, well, you've heard us describe it. You totally have to go buy nine. It's brand new. So, um, so that's my plug. I don't always say that. Sometimes I feel a little weird that like, I'm, but like, seriously, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think people know, like you should, you should go get the book if you like it, or even if you don't like it, Christmas is coming. So that's true. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, you probably know someone who might like it. That's probably true. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's an audio too. So if that's your jam. Oh, that's, oh, that's good to know. Are all There's of your books of in audio? They, all of them, except for, um, the returning, which is very, it's very sad and sour. It's all right. I yeah. let it go. Kind of just let it go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't have control over all of these things. I wish yeah. I did, but I just don't. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, good. We can't wait to hear about the, the next book when you get it started. Yay. I'm excited. Cool. Rochelle, thank you so much for taking the time being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I love to connect with other writers and readers and just come out of my cave into the light for a little bit. So thank you so much for having me and I would come back anytime.